Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Please don't go. I need you so I... Welcome to Feminist Hot Dog, the podcast about finding joy through feminism and living your best feminist life. I am Adrienne Vandervalk, hosting this episode from quarantine in Montgomery, Alabama. Like many of you, I am trying to do my part to stop the spread of COVID-19, staying in, washing my hands, social distancing, the whole nine yards. And it's been a little over a week that this has been going on and... It will be more by the time this broadcasts, but I thought it was a good opportunity to pause our regularly scheduled podcast and just talk a little bit about what this has been like in our daily lives and also what it means in terms of feminism and intersectionality and capitalism and rights and freedoms. All my favorite things to talk about are like colliding mightily in our faces right now, our faces that we are not supposed to touch like ever again. The way I decided to approach this episode was to reach out to a previous guest, some fellow podcasters, and then to someone who represents an identity group that I've never had on the show before. She is eight years old, my niece, Evelyn. Um, I've never had anyone from the under 10 crowd on the show, and I thought it would be pretty interesting to hear what she thinks about all of this, and um, in fact, it was. Before we dive into our interviews, I want you all to know that I am sending you all my good energy, mojo, vibes, whatever you want to call it. I hope you are healthy and holding up under this social isolation if you are isolating. And if you're not, but you could be isolating, please, please do it and think of other people. And if you're not isolating because you're considered an essential worker... I hope you are being appreciated and paid well and given all the resources you need to stay protected. And for all of us in any circumstance, I am going to put a few meditations in today's show notes that I really encourage you to try, even if you aren't into meditation. It makes a huge difference and we could all stand to be a little calmer even if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic. One thing to note before we jump in, given the slowness of the internet lately and my inability to interview anyone in person, the sound quality on this episode gets a little funky in places, so please bear with me. I'm going to feature this week's guests in order of podcasting experience. So to start off with, we'll talk to my niece Evelyn making her debut appearance today on Feminist Hot Dog to talk about life in the time of COVID-19. Do you know what we're doing right now? Podcasting? We are podcasting. And do you know what that means? Sort of. Okay, well, do you want me to break it down for you? Yes. So every two weeks, I release a show on the internet called Feminist Hot Dog. And this week, because of the coronavirus, I wanted to talk to a bunch of different people about just their experience and what they think is going on. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk to you because I've never interviewed like a a child before. Yeah. Are you down? Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, to say like, say Sleeping Beauty woke up 
and she had been asleep for the last six months and she had no idea what was going on, how would you explain to her what is happening right now in terms of the coronavirus? Well, I'd probably tell her to stay inside because she doesn't want to get sick. And if she had asked me what kind of sickness, I'd tell her how it's like sort of like a coughing sickness, but it won't really affect you if you're like under a certain age. But I still tell her to stay inside just in case. Just popping in quickly to say, Evie wasn't 100% correct about that. COVID-19 can affect anyone of any age, but it tends to be most deadly to older people or folks who have pre-existing health issues. So what do you think about all of this? This is like kind of a weird thing to have happen in your life, huh? Yeah, being quarantined is weird because you can't go anywhere, like do anything fun. This morning I saw like a hundred people walking their dogs because that's really all we can do right now. How do you feel about that? It's weird because we used to like go out and get a Starbucks like and we like never did takeout. But now you can't go to any restaurants. You either have to get takeout or make it at home. What emotions do you have about what's happening? Like a little nervous because like what if we run out of food? And the weird thing is people are stocking up on toilet paper. Why do you think that is? We don't know because it's like a lungs and like coughing thing. Why would you need toilet paper? I don't know. Maybe people are worried that they're going to get sick and not be able to go to the store to buy toilet paper. Yeah, that's probably true. But like (laughs) there's literally no more toilet paper in all the stores we went to. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. But my mom bought some off of Amazon, so now we have um, 70, 76 rolls, I think. Wow. Well, I'm coming to your house if I run out of toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> so you said you felt nervous. How else do you feel? Sort of happy because I'm missing a lot of school. Oh, yeah? Tell me more about that. Um. So we were supposed to have just a one-week spring break, and now we're off school Till April 12th. I mean, April 17th. So a lot of at-home time. So what are you going to do to make your at-home time the best it can be? Well, I'm definitely going to hang out with my guinea pigs and probably play on my computer and go outside a lot because there's really nothing else to do. How? What about writing in your big life journal? Oh, yeah. Um, I have that actually upstairs, and Doc Brown helps me. (laughs) Doc Brown helps you? Yeah, he's one of my journal buddies. And so what does a journal buddy do? It helps you kind of, like, think up what you're going to write. Like, there's, like, questions, so, like, your journal buddy could answer that question, and you could answer that question, so you write that down. I'm going to give you some antly advice which is I think you should journal every day while you're home with the coronavirus thing because this is like where is this history people are going to write about this in the history books 
Yes, this is one of the biggest times in my life because I don't know what to do. And what if I get sick? What if one of my family members gets sick? Um, then I have to stay home from school. Because even if you don't get sick, if somebody else has it in your house, you're not allowed to go to school either. So because it's so contagious. Yeah, that's a, that would be a huge change in your life, huh? Yeah. A lot of people say that they feel like this is helping them sort of understand more about what's important in their lives. Do you feel that way? Yeah, because I'm starting to really feel like how much things actually mean to me. Like, like I never thought I would need toilet paper this much, but now there's no toilet paper. So I'm now realizing that things that you don't really normally need you need and you need to keep yourself safe. That's right. So another way of saying that is like, it makes us realize what we take for granted because we don't really think about it. Yeah. And maybe it helps us have, you know what empathy is, right? Yes. And maybe it has a, helps us have more empathy for people who don't have those things all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What else, what else has it made you realize is important? Like, my grandma and grandpa are really important because I'm afraid that they're going to get sick. Um, So I'm just fingers crossed. Now, this really whole thing is just making me like, oh, gosh, um, who's going to get it? Am I going to get it? I hope I don't get it. Well, I think it's very unlikely that you will get it. Yeah. You know what I think? Um. I think that even though it's like really scary and uncertain right now, that this is actually a time when we can think about the world that the way that we want the world to be. Yeah. And we can start making a better world. It's showing us what's really important, right? Yes. And what's really important is like our family and our safety and our pets and and our pets. That's right. And our connections. And so, you know, things might crop up in your life that feel like, oh my gosh, this is a crisis, or oh my gosh, I don't want this to happen, or this is this or that. But like in the great scheme of things, they're not really that important. And I think this is going to help us all have more perspective about that. Yeah. Cause like, and this time we don't worry like, what shoes should I wear, red or pink? We actually worry about things like, should I go here because I might get sick or should I order this so better chances I will not get sick, not choose? That's right. Our priorities are different. Yeah. Well, is there anything else about the coronavirus you'd like to say? Please stay safe. Please try to not get the coronavirus. That would be bad. That would be bad. I'm doing my best not to get the coronavirus, and I hope you don't get it either. But I think I think we're going to be okay, and I think we're all hopefully going to get through this and, and have a, a better developed sense of perspective going forward. Yes. All right, well, don't forget to write in your journal every day. I won't. Say hi to Marty and Doc Brown for me. Okay. So who you said who which which is the guinea pig that helps you? Doc Brown. He um he's a little fat. I think oh, we yeah. overfeed him. He's he's spoiled, you know. Oh. Doc Brown's nice. Do you have a little song for me before we end? What's the song you've been listening to the most with the coronavirus? 
Um, I really like this song that um, it's called um, Don't Let Me Down. How does it go? So it's like, don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. Don't, don't let me down, don't let me down. And then there's a bunch of music that plays after it. And I just thought that was connecting to the coronavirus because we don't want people to go down with the coronavirus, you know? I do know. That's a great song. I'm going to play it as soon as we finish up. Okay. (laughs) All right, Beans. I love you. Love you too. Okay, stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. If that didn't overload your cuteness receptors, you need to get them checked. Uh, I also think Evie Beans has got it down. Stay inside. Think about what matters. Write in your journal and keep singing. The kids are all right. Okay, next on our tour of What the Fuck is Happening, we are going to hear from my dear friend Joanna Williams, who was my second ever guest on the podcast back in the day. She was in an episode called Necessity is the Mother of Invention. I tend to rely on Joanna for her solid critical analysis of any given situation, and she reads a lot more than I do, so she catches me up on stuff I've missed. Like during this conversation, she sent me about five different corona-related articles, which I will post in the show notes. So without further ado, here are some excerpts from my chat with Joanna Williams. And um, again, please excuse the birds chirping in the background. I wasn't thinking when I was recording this from my porch. First of all, how are you just generally, physically, mentally, spiritually? What have these past few weeks been like for you? You know, I think initially I kept coming back to the word surreal, right? Because it just didn't feel real how the entire world was coming to a crawl. In my life, I've seen moments, you know, major moments where it's impacted various communities and like, you know, an incident or event would take over the psyche and the thinking and the conversations of people in that community. But I've never seen in my, you know, 27 years of living, like, one event really take over everything outside of maybe the Iraq war, but I was like in fifth grade when that all happened. So I was very young. So as an adult, this was the first time I seen like, you know, rich people, white people, you know, people of color, people, working class people all like start to converse (laughs) and freak out about this, this virus. And that to me was really, really surreal. Um, And then also I was just like, you know, I kept, hopping on this roller coaster of thought around if I was taking this seriously enough, was I taking it too seriously? You know, each day it was like a different, like up and down on that roller coaster. And I think right now I've decided that like, you know, obviously this is a really big deal, but I also have to like find some sort of balance in my life because if I let this consume me, it's probably almost as bad as getting the virus itself. Right. Cause it is completely stifling and so, yeah, the, right now I'm just trying to find, you know, balance in my life. I've been trying to do some journaling. I've been trying to, you know, do some visualization um, exercises where I'm like visualizing life once this is all over. And I'm also trying to just check myself, right? I think it's really easy for us to be really frustrated and upset because how this impacted our life. Like one of my closest friends' wedding had to be canceled, you know, all these concerts, no, no more sports. So all these like personal joys you have in your life are just, you know, also coming to a halt. And that's really frustrating, but also having to remember like, this isn't about me, right? It's 
it's about all of us and it's about the folks who can be infected the folks who are infected and um trying to slow down this virus well you anticipated one of my questions because i think it is an opportunity to visualize okay well now that we're seeing on a really grand scale the ways that our current system is not serving us how could we envision a better future like a better version of what we could be where we acknowledge our interdependence and we acknowledge this me first you know only thinking about individuals is just not going to work do you mind sharing kind of what some of your visualizations have been or what your like if you could you know if your if your mind which i think all of our minds collectively are powerful enough to to shape the future what what would that future look like for me you know the visualizations really was one they started from a more i would say selfish uh standpoint you know i, I started thinking about like you know just warm sunny days in the summer with friends and we're just out or going to a restaurant, we're eating something really good, or, you know, we're going to the park, you know, things like that. And taking me back to moments that I've had and I want to go to and trying to remind myself like, yeah, like this is, this is like what brings happiness to me. And this is what we can do and what's going to be possible after uh, this virus, virus passes. And then, you know, once I started to see online and within my own communities, all the organizing taking place and um, how to support those who are being like, you know, truly affected in this, this virus, my, my visions and my um, visualizations started to expand. Right. And I really started to think like how limited a lot of us are in our thinking about what's possible for one another. Right. Like, you know, employers think, you know, everyone go home, working remotely is the way to go until this passes. And, you know, they'll pat themselves on the back because they were looking out for their employees first. And then you'll see, you know, or actually progressive company actually being like, hey, we're going to reduce the workload to uh, 50% or we're going to remove all the projects so that you can take time off and focus on your family and focus on your mental health because this is really, really scary. And then you see people start to how their thinking expand. And that's how like mutual aid started to help me expand. I'm like, wow, let's think about, I'm like, Joanna, let's visualize a world where one of us, each of us can really just reach out to someone, let them know where you're at, what you need, and know that an entire community is going to jump in and help you provide and um, give you the assistance that you need at that moment in time. And then knowing that you can pass it on to the next person when they're feeling the same way. And I'm like, wow, that's really, really, really beautiful. And I just keep coming back to that, that vision of how that could look um, when we're all lifting each other up. And then after one, one person's lifted up, the other can also be lifted up. I think that my lens is focused in the same direction as, as yours, but I don't have, or it's pointed in the same direction, but I don't have that same level of focus. So that's that's very inspiring. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about what day-to-day life has been like. What's What's been a typical day in your household for the last week? Yeah, so I already worked remotely before um, the virus started. Um, I worked at a company, I work at a company that's completely distributed. Um, so I already had a lot of experience working remotely. And that was like, you know, I would get up, go to my office in the house that I live in, and I would just, you know, do my eight hours. 
that part hasn't changed, right? And that's what's, I think, been a lot of cognitive dissonance, right? Like, my daily life hasn't really changed that much, but the entire world is changing around me. And so even though I still work a lot, there's no option of leaving the house afterwards, which was a really big thing for me um, in terms of maintaining work-life balance while working from home. I always just like, after I'm done, you know, going outside, going to go see a friend, meeting someone up for an activity, you know, that's not happening. So me and my partner, we are just in the house, right? Watching lots of Netflix, taking up all the internet's bandwidth. (laughs) And, you know, we, you know, of course bought food. And so we've just been cooking our meals and hanging out with our two cats. And that's really been our thing. I, I keep telling her, I feel like, you know, lesbians or, you know, women in relationships with other women are the ones who are probably going to be the most sane in terms of in this, like isolation because like, you know, for a lot of women, like who are in relationships with other women, we're just like, Hey, this is our daily life. Well, I bet your cats are happy. They, they are very, very happy right now. One thing that I've been thinking about um, all morning is about how we're in a global pandemic, right? And that even that phrase has a very heavy weight, right? We've seen horror movies, we've seen games and video games and stuff like about like what happens when pandemics come at you and what it does to communities and environments and people automatically start to think about dystopia and stuff like that. But what I've seen right now as we go through a global pandemic is a lot of people are still trying to, for their own sanity and for the routines, like they're still trying to keep things going, but out of a fear that they already had. So I see a lot of friends who are still trying to like work out and eat well and keep their, like get their summer body ready and things like that. And I'm like, damn, we're in a global pandemic right now. And one of your major concerns is not getting fat. Like, it's just like, like, it's just, it's mind blowing to me how our, our deepest fears, societal fears are still pushing us to act in certain ways and not care for ourselves. Right. I think if you're shut in during a global pandemic, you can have a Snickers bar. Like I, I think if that's the one thing that's going to help you feel better that day, then you should do it. But, uh, I see a lot of folks still trying, um, to maintain their routines out of fear. Um, but, you know, the fear of fatness, the fear of whatever. And um, that that has really been fascinating to me. And I, I don't have anything other than that. I am seeing a lot of messaging and, and quotes and memes emphasizing, like, just because you're home doesn't mean you have to be productive. Doesn't mean you have to, like, like if it's helpful to you, if you're someone who, like you said, oh, well, it, you know, I would feel it would pass the time and make me feel accomplished if I put this bookshelf together or whatever. Like, sure, that's fine. But getting obsessed with like, I have to make the most of like every single minute and I have to like work out three times a day because I don't have any excuse is that's not going to be sustainable. I got an email from a listener actually who was like, I feel, what'd she say? I feel like it's not okay to say this, but I'm actually really enjoying being told to stay at home because I'm an overworked introvert and this is like my my dream. But I also wonder when the sort of snow day novelty is going to wear off and I don't you know how how is it going to be in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks? Like how we don't know. We don't know when it's gonna end, right? And our government has done such a terrible job of tracking data, collecting data around this 
these cases, the folks who have been affected, where they've been. And so we have no data to even go off of. And all we can do is like, you know, these modeling charts and things like that. But that's not even conclusive of all the other measures being taken. And yeah, we're really, really in a bad spot right now. And I do think this is the beginning of it, which, you know, (laughs) that's why I'm really trying to keep myself centered because I can see this lasting, you know, well into the summertime. And like you said, that's that's going to be the really scary and interesting thing is because I don't think people, um, especially folks with privilege, are very used to having to restrict, right? That's the whole point of having privilege, right? You can move around, speak, purchase, do these things, and capitalism lets you move freely because of that privilege. And having having that restricted is stuff I've seen people not respond very well, people with privilege not respond very well to. So it'll be interesting. You know, you already see folks trying to test the boundaries, push the rules of, you know, the the recommendations that have been put on by like states and cities. So you'll see people, you know, still going to the park and trying to keep their distance, but, you know, they're still out there and they're maybe inching a little closer to the other person and things like that. And it's just like, because this virus is invisible and we don't know who's been compromised, who has the symptoms, we just can't tell. It's not like a flesh eating virus. Like it allows people to just keep pushing those boundaries. And it's really unfortunate because that this is what we need the most is for, for folks to restrict and to just like, you know, for a while, not go and interact and engage with other people physically. And that's just, that's been so hard for folks that I like, I keep seeing um, online and even in my neighborhood, I see it. I'm so curious to know if the social pressure to self-isolate will work where the government's like direct orders are not working, you know, where like the kids who are like, fuck you, I'm going to go on spring break anyway. Like, will there be like a tipping point where everyone around them is like, no, fuck you, like stay the fuck home. Yeah, and and from a age demographic standpoint, it's really fascinating too. You know, I hear a lot of my friends who are telling me that, like, oh yeah, I talked to my parents yesterday, and they just they went to the Y or they went out to dinner with their friends, and they don't understand the magnitude, right? I think a lot of time, like when this first happened, people were putting a lot onto younger folks, right? Like, oh, the young people aren't taking this seriously. They think they're, they they think they're immune to everything, blah, blah. blah. And from my vantage point, it's actually been, you know, older generations who just aren't really comprehending. But on the flip side, you know, you do also see a lot of young people who just don't care, right? (laughs) And they just think they truly are invisible. And so I think those two worlds colliding is also really fascinating. Many thanks to Joanna Williams speaking to us from Baltimore, Maryland. And speaking of worlds colliding, I am excited to have on the show two women who have been great pod friends to me ever since I jumped into the world of podcasting, Maria and Erin, hosts of Feminist Without Mystique. And I'm so glad they agreed to do a little crossover action in honor of the coronapocalypse. They spoke to me from Seattle, one of the most seriously affected cities in the U.S., Erin has been sick and in quarantine for weeks already, even before social distancing became the law of the land. And Maria works for a research institute that deals with infectious diseases, so things have been really intense in both of their worlds. I asked them to tell me about some of the things that were sparking joy for them during this nightmare of a time. 
I really like Jenna Wortham. She's, she's a writer um, at the New York Times and she has this podcast with another guy called Still Processing. And while it's not on right now, they've just, uh, they're on hiatus, but they did say they're gonna have another one soon next Thursday about the COVID crisis. She has this uh, newsletter that she doesn't, she doesn't update very often, but when she does, it's always the most soothing advice. And like, just the, she's, she's a real wordsmith um, in the way that she says things. So. I would highly recommend seeking out Jenna Wortham um, on Instagram and some of her writings. And if you want to subscribe to her newsletter, which she only sends out little comforting tidbits, very rarely, but um, it's called Fermentation and Formation. I I highly recommend her, um, the space that she occupies in social media. For me, I mean, one thing, queen of the world, Lizzo, she has done some like live meditations where she's like playing the flute. There are crystals. I've enjoyed them. It's been lovely. Um, And I've also actually really enjoyed, I mean, it's been a weird thing to watch as a human, but like the late night TV shows and like the hosts at the beginning of their transitions into it. And then now it's just kind of, there's something really intimate about it. They're literally like at home in their sweatpants. Kind of doing it. Oh, because they can't have studio audiences. Yeah. So I don't ever watch Jimmy Fallon, but I watched the most recent one because his like kids were in it and his wife was helping and it was really, I don't know. It's been kind of interesting to get some of my news that way. Yeah. I also think like um, kind of to that end, there have been different celebrities or people that it seems like we all, I mean, lots of people, we all have our own kind of niche or semi-niche interests. And a lot of the people that occupy that space, the people that we all tend to focus on, like for instance, for me, like I love musical theater and like Lin-Manuel Miranda is my hero and he's been posting a lot more often. And he and Andrew Lloyd Webber have been doing like um, Instagram lives and singing to each other different different musical pieces. And then there's like um, Jennifer Ely, the actress who's in the beloved 1995 or 1996 Pride and Prejudice, she's just been going on Instagram Live and and reading Pride and Prejudice to us. Like, there are just certain things. Like, I encourage people to just seek out. I don't know the the media and the and the personalities that they love because I think you might be surprised. Um, I think those people are 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 wanting to connect as much as we are to them, and so they're reaching out in this different more real way than I've at least experienced. Yeah, there's a new humanity to it. I was going to say the same thing. Like there's this, I think you used the word, someone used the word intimacy and the fact that we're all home and some people have more or less resources to get, you know, the quote unquote things that they want. But even people who have a lot of privilege right now don't have the privilege to be able to go and be and do whatever they want to do. And that is very humbling. And so, yeah, I love it that we're seeing how that's bringing out the best in, and the most generous in, in the spirit of connection with a lot, um, a lot of the people that you mentioned. So there's a woman that I follow who made the point that the word apocalypse, the root of that word is a Greek word that means to reveal or unveil. Mm-hmm. and that we are in many ways revealing the inadequacies of our many, many systems, which, you know, those of us who are critics of those systems already are like, yeah, <laughs> right. we could have we, yep. we told you that. Um, 
but revealing it on a really large scale, but also revealing sort of what is actually truly important to us as human beings. Mm -hmm. And so that gives us an opportunity to kind of fix our minds on the future that we want. And so in the spirit of that and of kind of this collective pointing our collective consciousness in that direction, what is, what is your vision? If you could kind of use your mind to create the best possible outcome from all of this, what would it look like? For like, the country and humanity at whole would be to elect someone else in November and have just the rest of this at this point. I mean, the best we can hope for is to have the rest of this pandemic like dealt with competently because human lives are at stake. You know, you see what's happening in Italy and how we're not very far behind them. So I, I just hope for the good of the world that things are just handled as well as possible going forward. For myself, I just want to continue to kind of use the time productively while giving myself some slack and having some chill days too. But just to be able to look back on this time at the end of it and be like, yeah, that was a good way to do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On a broader scale, I think that I keep, when I keep reading articles, at, like at the end, I find myself saying either to like my boyfriend who we are very much not social distanced at this point and he's kind of like the sounding board for all this stuff, but we'll read these like doomsday articles or terrible things that are happening as a result of COVID. And I just find myself saying like, this exposes the need for universal healthcare. I mean, this pandemic and the way that the US specifically is not equipped to handle to handle it. Um, and we can look directly at South Korea and the way that, for instance, they we had the same first positive on the same day in January and they, they're flattening, their curve is already going down. And we are just at the beginning of a crisis that is out of control. I mean, in a perfect world, what we would learn, what would we be revealed and then changed or transformed is the healthcare system, um, a better understanding of, or a better access to, to education for people and just um, an understanding now that, I mean, who would have thought that universal basic income in any form would be floated by the treasury of Donald Trump. Like, I know, it's wild. <laughs> wild! <laughs> so, and, and then like global warming is kind of the third prong of this because I know that there is this, I don't even, the language of, of using like silver lining is hard here because so many people are dying of this. So I don't really know how to phrase it, but the idea that we can look at the air over Wuhan or the water in Long Island or, or in Italy and how it's already going to be improving from from less traffic is if i mean the data and the research that will come out of this weird period hopefully can point everyone towards these better solutions and because there's this collective we're we're dealing with this as a global community this is the first time i think we've ever had something like this my hope is that we can approach other problems in more of a collective way and it won't seem like socialism here, here. <laughs> One thing I, that I would recommend that we're going to be doing more of, and Marie already knows this, is like, if you live with somebody, uh, I live with my fiance, Charles, uh, Charlie, and we made like mystery dates and mystery projects. So it's like the projects are things around the house. They're not as exciting as they sound like. It's like, ooh, organize the kitchen. And then the mystery dates are like, have a little photo hour with the, with the pets, dress them up, you know, <laughs> any petty night. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I guess to um, one thing, because you brought it up at the beginning and I just wanted to touch on it, the um, kind of on a feminist, from a feminist perspective, I think everyone just to, to, to look out for the um, gender roles going back to the way that they maybe historically have been or more traditional gender roles because people are both, both parties are both at home. And that wasn't something that I necessarily, since we're both, we both don't have kids or anything, it's definitely less I think it just wasn't in the forefront of my mind. And then I, there's an Atlantic article that I haven't clicked on yet because I just didn't want to be depressed in that way at that moment. Um, but just about how it seems like there are a lot of people who are experiencing this sort of like regression in the home life. So to kind of be on the lookout for that. Such a good point. <laughs> I definitely, I have some thoughts on that. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know Feminists Without Mystique, you must check it out. They describe it as a podcast where Aaron and Maria discuss politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. It is awesome. I want to end with just a few comments about how I've seen feminist issues appearing in the coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic. First of all, the idea that the pandemic has revealed cracks in our system, as I said earlier, needs to be qualified by acknowledging that for people living in poverty, LGBTQ folks, particularly those who remember or lived through the AIDS crisis, black and brown people and people with disabilities, nothing is being revealed right now. They were already experiencing the shortcomings of the medical system and other quote unquote safety nets. And they've been actively speaking out and organizing and trying to disrupt and improve these systems for decades. If you follow Erica Hart or Rachel Cargill on Instagram, they both had great posts about this recently. Another point I want to pass along is that the people who were already suffering the most in our society are the people who are going to suffer the most from COVID-19. So at one point when I was listening back to this audio, I caught myself saying that COVID was a great equalizer. And that just isn't true. So I edited it out. I may feel like my life is more limited, and it is. But that doesn't mean that I am now experiencing the same degree of stress as someone who was already working a low-wage hourly job with no health insurance, who can now no longer work, or someone with pre-existing health conditions, etc. It is similar to global warming in that way. Yes, it affects everybody, but poor people and people of color will be affected first and worst. So... I can feel bad for myself. That is okay. But I also need to keep my sense of perspective and keep intersectionality at the forefront of my thinking as I think about what is happening to folks across the country and around the world and what I can do about it. I also found the Atlantic article that Maria talked about um, regarding gender roles and how being socially isolated can sort of accentuate them in a bad way. And that is linked in the show notes. I encourage you to check it out. And finally, a really critical feminist issue is that we are already seeing conservative lawmakers attempting to use the pandemic to restrict access to abortion by labeling abortion an elective procedure. And we've seen this happen already in Texas and in Ohio. And I'll put a link about this in the show notes as well. So that all sounds pretty serious and pretty bad. And it is. But I've tried to inject a little hope in today's episode as well, because I truly think this is an opportunity, like I said, to think expansively, to allow ourselves to come into the full power of our minds and our imaginations, to get to know ourselves better, and to decide how we want to recalibrate our lives and give our energy to what's really important. I hope you are all staying hopeful and connected 
And if not, don't hesitate to reach out to me via email or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I would love to hear from you. Our theme music is by Ava Luna and Loyalty Freak Music. And as always, and even more than always, love yourself and love your buns. Goodbye. This has been a production of NOCO FM.